Hi, I'm Jeremiah Johnston. Here's the podcast for The Jeremiah Johnston Show. And don't forget, you can also listen live across the Faith Radio Network Saturdays at 11 a.m. Central or 12 Eastern for the entire hour. And if you want your question read on the live show, go ahead and send it to me at www.askjjj.com. I hope you enjoy the conversation. Welcome to The Jeremiah Johnston Show. Combining cutting-edge biblical scholarship with meaningful, thought-provoking discussions and practical answers to your questions. It's time to own your faith and be a Christian thinker with our host, author, Bible scholar, apologist, and president of the Christian Thinker Society, Dr. Jeremiah Johnston. And welcome to the Jeremiah Johnston Show. I am your host, and it is a pleasure to have you joining us on this program that inspires you to have a thinking faith, a cognitive faith, a thank, uh, faith where we think critically, uh, not only about our love and our relationship with Jesus Christ, but about the world around us. And we do what Jesus commanded us to do, to love God with our heart, soul, and mind. Uh, Warren Wearsby once made the statement that many pastors have said since, that the Christian life is not a playground, it's more like a battleground. Is that describing your Christian journey today? Well, I actually hope it is because the Apostle Paul said we would know um, when we are doing things for God because there will immediately be a satanic attack against us. And we don't fear that. We don't stand worried about that because the scriptures say greater is Jesus in me than Satan who is in the world. And yet so many of us, if we're not careful, can be confused by the paranormal world around us. And we are continuing today our series called Unanswered, Lasting Truth for Trending Questions. And my top three, one of my top three questions, friends, that I've received after receiving 10,000 text message questions are what Christians need to know about the paranormal world around us. And so I aggregated all the questions that you're submitting to me on this show, and I produced this Bible study, and I've produced many uh, weeks of content since, and I call it paranormalacy, because truly in our society, the paranormal has become the new normal understanding the paranormal allure among Christians and how to escape it. Now, we all have kids, and we have grandkids that get confused by all this demonic stuff in the world around us, and yet it's not just always the big, bad vampire stuff. I mean, after all, the Scripture says in 2 Corinthians 11:14 that Satan masquerades as an angel of light. Now, as we go into a new year, we need to be aware of the methodia, the methods of the enemy to attack us. That's what this program is all about. It's going to equip you. It's going to inform you. So get out a pen, please. I'm going to take you to a message that I give on the paranormal to set up this entire hour. I'm going to come back taking your questions. We've got a power teaching segment in a moment. You're listening to the Jeremiah Johnston Show on Faith Radio. Let's get right into my message for you today, paranormalacy, what you can know, what you must know to be a victorious Christian. If you were an exorcist in the first century world before Jesus walked the earth, you were to find the most powerful name that you could find to exorcise a demon. Guess what the most powerful name was in Jerusalem and in larger Judea? It was the name Solomon. They would say, I adjure you by the name of Solomon. And then what happens? This miracle worker, this famous exorcist from Galilee comes on the scene. His name, Jesus of Nazareth. You know what's so fascinating? 
We have prayer incantation bowls. These are ancient artifacts from the 2nd, 3rd, 4th, and 5th century. These can be curses. These can be prayer incantations. They can be hexes on your neighbor you don't like. You want to give them insomnia. But you know what's fascinating? The name Jesus shows up in these prayers and these incantation bowls. His name was so powerful, people knew that it brought power when you said the name of Jesus. It's a very interesting paranormal concept in the first century. And you know what? We transfer that into modern day. And we look at all the paranormal things happening around us. There's so much confusion. There's so much bondage and darkness. And Christians don't know how to respond to ghost stories, UFO sightings. How do we respond to the fascination, even attraction, of the paranormal world around us? Paranormal, it's truly become the new normal in our culture. How do we answer this unanswered question? And we're going to be back in 90 seconds with more of my message, Paranormalacy, Understanding the Paranormal Allure Among Christians and How to Escape It. Stay with us. Welcome back to the Jeremiah Johnston Show. We're going straight to my message, Paranormalacy, Understanding the Paranormal Allure Among Christians and How to Escape It. Have your Bible and pen out. Warren Pelly was a software programmer in San Diego, and after moving into his first home, he said he wasn't used to living so far away from his friends and family in a neighborhood that was so quiet. He began to hear strange noises at night in his house, creaks and knocks that freaked him out, and he said it made him jumpy. He couldn't sleep. The 37-year-old programmer had never had any experience with movies, but he had a brilliant idea. Warren actually put an ad out on a website and hired some unknown actors for $500 each, and he put together $15,000 of his own money to shoot a movie, get this, with his own personal home video camera about this young couple named Katie and Micah who moved into a new home that too made noises, creaks and knocks at night, but this one with a demon haunting them. The couple decided to set up a movie camera to record and document any activity that occurred while they slept. That activity became the box office sensation, Paranormal Activity. DreamWorks executives were interested in picking up this unusual film, and so they decided to screen test the movie. They originally thought that the film was a total bomb because people were walking out early from the theaters until they learned that the viewers were actually leaving because they were so frightened. So the jittery film that cost just $15,000, shot in just seven days, was released in 2009, and the demand for the film was unprecedented. What made it so successful? Trailers for Paranormal Activity only showed reactions from the audiences of the film, which, of course, went viral. Fans spoke proudly of not being able to sleep for a week after seeing it. The original film grossed nearly $200 million worldwide, making Paranormal Activity, get this, the most profitable movie of all time with a mind-boggling 1.2 million percent return on investment. This goes to show that what was once thought to be strange beliefs and practices on the fringes of society had gone mainstream. And the paranormal has been making quite a comeback. I've given this some thought. When did this latest iteration of paranormal become so attractive, culturally speaking? Then I remembered a certain movie that was released just as I was graduating high school. And I think that no movie catapulted the youth of our nation into paranormal interests more than M. Night Shyamalan's The Sixth Sense with that now famous line, 
I see dead people. So number one, we need to recognize that paranormal is attractive and has become normal in our society. Believing in the paranormal has become the norm in our culture. We have to understand the appeal as we search for answers. Well, Hollywood and entertainment investors are betting on your attraction to the paranormal. Big money is being made capitalizing on this trendy allure of the paranormal that has gone viral in our society. The paranormal is a huge industry. I mean, think about it. We're talking about television series, movie franchises. Remember the Twilight series? Books on the paranormal, haunted houses, ghost hunters, tourism at poltergeist locations, fortune telling, mind control, channeling, psychic fairs, even ghost photography, UFO sightings and abduction, government UFO conspiracies. The list goes on and on all the way to the Loch Ness Monster. Here's the problem. The paranormal is a slippery slope. And once you open the door to the spirit world, it will only affect your life negatively, and that door can be very difficult to shut. Do you understand the times we're living in? Studies documenting the pervasive intrigue of the paranormal are widespread. A whopping 71% of Americans say that they have personally had some type of paranormal experience. Another study recently released by two Baylor University sociology professors funded by the John Templeton Foundation found an astounding 80% of Americans strongly believe in some type of paranormal activity. Nearly one-third of Americans have consulted their horoscope, 12% of Americans have actually made an effort to personally visit a medium or psychic searching for meaning to their present circumstances. That's 42 million Americans. 25% of Americans have taken time to research the whole world of haunted houses, ghosts, and even electric voice phenomenon. Now, some of you may think that the paranormal, this fascination is something just for uneducated people. Well, actually, did you know that the statistics actually say quite the opposite? Studies of undergraduate and graduate students point out that the more educated one is, the more likely that you are to believe in the paranormal supernatural world. In fact, the University of Virginia recently launched a paranormal activity lab where respected scientists are researching phenomena like ESP, poltergeists, and near-death experiences. So really, I think we're just asking the wrong question. The question is not if one believes in the paranormal. Rather, the question should be is how much experience have you had with the paranormal and more importantly, why? Number two, the paranormal teaches a false gospel, makes promises that it cannot keep, and it will always bring me into bondage and confusion. 2 Corinthians 11:14, a powerful verse. The Apostle Paul sternly warned that Satan himself masquerades as a what? Do you remember? Angel of light. Satan is that master deceiver. He masquerades as an angel of light. And what I find intriguing is how Christian the paranormal world sounds. Have you noticed that? In my research, I was amazed by the secular studies that pointed out the attraction of the paranormal, whether it be psychic conventions or professional mediums, their promises sound so Christian. They sound like a lot of Bible verses. In fact, they claim to provide services of great spiritual value, such as knowledge about your place in life, information about your future, guidance about a difficult decision, or most notably, Contacting a dead loved one or friend for closure to say something you wished you had said 
when they were living. Driving here in my home city of Houston, I noticed recently a psychic shop with the following advertisement, uniting lost lovers, even in death. And guess what? Being cynical or uncompassionate is the worst way to respond to those who are attracted to something paranormal. As a pastor, I have personally ministered to parents who have lost children, who said that they would do anything, absolutely anything, to communicate with their dead child. When someone experiences a great loss, they can be taken advantage of. The paranormal world preys on the weaknesses of our human disposition when we're grieving. Many Christians can be exploited when they're hurting, especially when they have faced some tragedy or unexpected loss. Amazingly, some psychics and others working in the paranormal world actually claim to be Christians to lure new clients. Get this, over 300 psychics, male and female, claim to be ordained ministers. So not only are you consulting a necromancer, but you're actually consulting an ordained necromancer. Oh, by the way, according to the American Federation of Certified Psychics and Mediums, yes, such an organization exists, 97% of psychics or mediums will not give you a refund. So just remember that. Another psychic shop I went by generously promoted that your first two questions are free. One out of three psychics only use their first name, and most of them, statistics show us, use an alias. And you might also be interested to know that there are over 20 mediums in the United States who are multimillionaires. 1 John 4.1 says what? Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but do what? Test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. You know, our problem is, as a church, as Christians in the modern age, we're not doing what 1 John 4.1 commands. We have the dumbest, most undiscerning church of all time. And yet we have the most educated members in the history of the Christian church. It's a dichotomy. There is such little spiritual discernment. What really got my attention was a recent survey done by David Kinnaman. He released this study about how vulnerable our young people are to the paranormal world. After surveying thousands of teenagers, and this gets my attention as a father of two children, he found that 73% of young people have engaged in at least one type of psychic or witchcraft-related activity beyond mere media exposure or horoscope reading or something they saw on the Internet. Four out of five teenagers have had their horoscopes read just for fun. The report also found, get this, seven million teenagers have encountered, as they said, an angel, a demon, or some other supernatural being. Seven million young people. Most notable to me was the fact that only 28% of our young people said they had learned anything in their church to help inform their views about the supernatural world. You know, you can even visit university campuses today. I'm a university professor myself, and you can actually attend paranormal events on campus, sponsored events, tarot card reading, palm reading, channeling. And guess what? All these students, they just kind of think it's fun and games. So you have this strange mixture of entertainment on one hand, but as I see at the same time, at a much deeper level, this deeper search for meaning and truth beyond the surfacey world. This is where so many of our kids and young adults are today. You know, we've thrown God off the campus. More and more professors are atheists. Well, really, most professors are nihilists. They don't think there's really anything to live for. They think life is worthless. In fact, I was counseling one of my own students, and I teach at a Christian university, who said that she had a friend who said that life had no purpose or meaning, and she planned to die at 30. 
Life had no meaning, so she was just going to live wildly until the age of 30. Needed counseling for a friend. Listen to me. No matter what the atheists say, human beings were spiritual beings. We hunger for the spiritual. And when we've sent God out the door and we laugh and we mock the Christian faith and we replace it with this weird diabolical stuff, guess what? We buy into the lies. We become entrapped, confused, and we believe that false gospel. There is a great body of research that suggests that those who open themselves up to the paranormal, demonic world are more likely, get this, to be depressed, abusive, commit crimes, and yes, even attempt suicide. I want to tell you something. The devil is inventive. He is always reinventing himself. Have you noticed this? A generation ago, the attraction, the rage was Satanism. But have you noticed that we we rarely hear about Satanism anymore? We never hear about the occult. That has gone out of fashion. Now it's labeled paranormal, something much more attractive, mysterious, and even, shall we say, trendy. So how do we enact what John said in 1 John 4, 1? We test the spirits by comparing all of our personal experiences, all the paranormal messaging against the word of God. The paranormal world propagates a message that sin is not real, that death is simply a crossing over to some life of peace, There is no heaven, there is no hell, there is no judgment, and there is no accountability whatsoever for how we live. Well, gosh, that kind of sounds like a gospel message that's been around a long time, probably since the serpent first said it in the Garden of Eden. So no, as Christians, we are directed not to believe every spirit. We need to be discerning. We're to be wise like the Christians at Berea, a thinking person, a thinking Christian. Acts 17, 11, for they accepted the message most eagerly, and they studied the scriptures every single day to see if what they were now being told were true. 1 Timothy 4, 7 says, reject worldly fables, refuse old wives' tells. Instead, train yourself towards godliness. 1 Timothy 4, 7, I love what J.B. Phillips, the great British theologian, how he translated this passage, steer clear of all these stupid, godless fictions. Take time and trouble to keep yourself spiritually fit. I've been teaching the book of Acts, and I note that Phillips said in his Acts commentary that our modern church has become fat and short of breath, not on guard, not discerning. 1 Peter 5.8 says, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, he walks around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Believers in Jesus Christ are commanded by Almighty God to avoid all activity with the paranormal world. Stay away from it, all of it. 1 Thessalonians 5.22, abstain from every form of evil. You know, there's nothing funny to God about the paranormal. God's word is clear. Avoid all of it. And this is why we as parents need to be leaders, we need to be attentive, we need to be listeners, and most importantly, we need to be discerning about the activities of our family and our children. Mom and dad, you're the guardian of your family, not just physically, but spiritually. As a parent, should I monitor the activities of my children? Absolutely. If I have anything resembling paranormal paraphernalia in my possession, what should I do? Well, we should get rid of all of it immediately. And I mean, that includes movies, music, photographs, books, Ouija boards, tarot cards, fortune spells, etc. God worked a revival in the city of Ephesus one day. We read about this in the book of Acts, the Apostle Paul's preaching. And do you remember what happened in Acts 19.19? 
and a number of those who practice magic arts brought their books together, and what did they do? They burned them in the sight of all. And they counted the value, and they found that it came to 50,000 pieces of silver. Do you know what that value would be today, 2,000 years later? The value of those magical incantation books and phylacteries and all the paranormal material would have equated to about 6 to $7 million of today's money. But these books were destroying their lives, and they got rid of it. C.S. Lewis became a celebrity in North America with the release of his wartime bestseller, The Screwtape Letters, a book that he dedicated to someone I'm sure you've heard of, his good friend, J.R.R. Tolkien. Lewis famously said in the preface of Screwtape Letters this incredible comment about the paranormal world, quote, there are two equal and opposite errors into which our race can fall about the devils. One is to disbelieve in their existence. The other is to believe and to feel an excessive and unhealthy interest in them. Number three, only Jesus Christ can set me free. Only in Jesus can I know the purpose for my life. Only in Jesus can I experience lasting peace. And only in Jesus can I truly know the truth. In John chapter 8, we learn two very important principles about the paranormal world. First, in John 8:44, Jesus is speaking to that crowd who would not accept his message. You were of your father, the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. You know, Satan will lie to us. He will counterfeit the truth. And we can all think of times that we believe the lies of the devil. The devil, paranormal activity, it brings confusion into our lives. A few verses earlier, Jesus is speaking to those who had received his message, and he said that in knowing him, Jesus, quote, you will know the truth, and the truth does what in our life? It makes us free, John 8, 32. Some of you listening to me right now, you need to be set free. You need freedom in your life. Staying in John 8, Jesus said in verse 12, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness and confusion, but will have the light of life. I think of John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the aletheia in Greek. I am the truth. He is truth. Do you know the truth today? Are you in the truth or are you in confusion and bondage and buying the false gospel of some paranormal psychic world around us? The mission of Jesus' ministry was to usher in the kingdom of heaven on earth. That was his ministry mission. And in his exorcisms and healings, we see tangible evidence of the mighty power and presence of the kingdom of Almighty God. Jesus was dismantling Satan's kingdom. Jesus said that Satan's kingdom was telos eki in Greek, literally coming to an end. Satan's sphere is being weakened. He was the strong man, but guess what? A stronger one is here now. Satan's house cannot stand. We read of this in Matthew 12, Mark 3, Luke chapter 11. Jesus's kingdom has literally broken into the world. Jesus has bound the strong man. Satan is powerless against Christ. A follower of Jesus has nothing to fear of the paranormal, demonic, satanic world. When I understand my identity in Jesus Christ, who I am in Christ, there is freedom from all that bondage and fear and confusion. I finish with the wonderful words of Paul. 
The very weapons we use are not those of human warfare, but powerful in God's warfare for the destruction of the enemy's strongholds. Our weapons are mighty through God. 2 Corinthians 10 verse 4. You know, I think of Will Reagan's song, Break Every Chain. It could not be more true. There is power in the name of Jesus to break every chain. There's an army rising up to break every chain. There is power in the name of Jesus. Never forget, Jesus said all authority had been given to him. Yes, Satan is mighty, but God is almighty. We're going to be back in 90 seconds taking your questions at askjjj.com and our power teaching segment. You're listening to the Jeremiah Johnston Show. Stay with us back in 90 seconds. Welcome back to the Jeremiah Johnston Show. We're studying in this program how we can live the victorious Christian life. Now, if you listen to certain professors today, and I say this with great respect as a university professor about university professors, many university professors, certainly not all, there are great university professors out there, but many university professors are nihilists, ladies and gentlemen. What does that mean? That's that Latin term, nihilism or nihilism, however you prefer to say it. They believe in nothing, ultimately. There is no good, there is no bad, and these are the professors who claim there is no such thing as evil. Truth is relative. Truth is what you want it to be. You can have your truth, I can have my truth, but who are you to say that something is wrong or something is evil? Well, if you've ever come face-to-face with pure evil, you never forget it. And this is my message to any university professor or any individual, for that matter, who thinks that you know evil is relative. I want to encourage you to visit a concentration camp. Audrey and I visited concentration camps a few years ago. It was informative. I was there because I wanted to come face-to-face with pure evil for all of these professors and these individuals who I debate and dialogue with who try to stand up in some theoretician way in some classroom and claim that, you know, there is no right or wrong. You know, we never use the word sin anymore, even though it pops up a lot in the scriptures. And I went to the concentration camp near the sleepy German town of Weimar, Germany, called Buchenwald. If you have studied the life of Dietrich Bonhoeffer, you will know that Dietrich Bonhoeffer was at Buchenwald. And I will never forget, as a father of five, the shoes, ladies and gentlemen. The piles of children's shoes of all the kids that died at Buchenwald concentration camp. And, of course, the Nazi war machine was very efficient. Nothing was wasted. Hair, jewelry, shoes, it was all kept and repurposed. Over 250,000 would be imprisoned at Buchenwald. And, of course, uh, it, was the, it was the Nazi concentration camp um, named by Heinrich Himmler himself. And Hitler's special prisoner, as I already mentioned, Dietrich Bonhoeffer was there. Um, there were at least 50,000 that were killed at Buchenwald. Um, Ali Wiesel, the Nobel Prize winner, was once there. And friends, I came face to face with evil. And I realized that there is a very real devil who is at work in the world, and guess what? He uses people. And if you are in a spiritual battle today, we need to be able to identify when we are in spiritual demonic attack, when we are in that attack mode that Ephesians 6 speaks of. 
And one thing that I want to just take a moment to share with you, as an apologist, I am grateful for the grim experience of visiting Buchenwald. And I'm sure many of you who have come face to face with evil, you can say the same thing. It re- inspires me to remind those relativistic, humanistic, atheist, agnostic opponents that evil is not an illusion and evil must be overcome. And we overcome evil with good through the love of Jesus Christ and spreading the gospel message. And influencing so great an evil, make no mistake, there is a wicked person behind it all. This person who is called the dragon, who roars about as a lion, seeking whom he may devour. And yet the scriptures tell us, here's the encouraging part if you're in a, in a battle today, the devil's days are numbered. And if you take a moment to read Revelation chapter 12, verses 7 through 12, we will learn that Satan has been overcome, and listen, he will ultimately be destroyed. Make no mistake, though, Satan seeks to accuse us. I think of Revelation chapter 12, verse 10. Who is the devil? This is a very important question because some of us were raised in Christian denominations or distinctions where they kind of teach that Satan is not necessarily real, don't believe in him. What does the Bible say? With any difficult question on the Jeremiah Johnston show, we come back to what do the scriptures say? So I want to begin by asking, who is the devil? Make no mistake, the scripture says that he is an enemy, Matthew 13:39. He is the evil one, Matthew 13:38. He is a tempter, Matthew 4:3, verse 1, 1 Thessalonians 3:5. He is an adversary, 1 Peter 5.8. Jesus actually said he is the father of lies. Remember when he's speaking to the Pharisees, you are of your father, the devil, carrying out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth. Listen, for there is no truth in him. Of course, he's a murderer, a liar, a deceiver, Revelation 10, verse 9. He's an accuser. He, as we mentioned at the beginning of this show, one who disguises himself as an angel of light, 2 Corinthians 11:14. I've met many Christians who fall prey to the confusion that the enemy brings. And make no mistake, as we heard in this teaching segment a few segments ago, Satan will always try to bring you into bondage, superstition, silly stuff, old wives' tales, as Peter said in the scriptures. And according to John, the devil is the dragon. Why? John wants to impress upon us when we read his work the cruelty and the villainy that the dragon has against you and me as the people of God. And the description of Satan as this dragon to me has always been striking because he is portrayed as a dragon who is red in Revelation 12 verse 3. Because he loves to spill the blood of the saints. He loves to destroy your family. He loves to destroy your marriage. He wants to destroy your kids and your grandkids. He wants to terrorize your relationship with Jesus Christ through sin and confusion. He is further depicted as this disgusting monster with seven heads and ten horns. Verse 3. One on his head were seven diadems, further demonstrating his very evil character. And do you know what his goal is? His goal is to deceive us. His goal is to accuse us. In fact, John uses no less than five titles for Satan in a single verse. Dragon, serpent, devil, Satan, and one who, quote, deceives the whole world. That's why I thank God for Faith Radio Network. 
That's why I thank God for the Jeremiah Johnston show. That's why I thank God for every pastor out there who preaches the scriptures and helps people understand and discern truth from error, confusion from clarity. And you know what, friends? We could go on to talk more about Satan, but you know the powerful thought is Satan will ultimately be destroyed. Make no mistake, Satan, his powers are limited. He's neither omniscient, he's not omnipresent, he is not the evil counterpart to God. He is a limited being. He is a fallen angel. And so when you go on to read the rest of Revelation 12, you will see that he will ultimately be destroyed. And so what have we learned today? We've learned to identify the work of this adversary, this liar, when he is at work in our life. And so are you in confusion? Are you struggling right now? Find a great Bible preaching church. Get in the word of God. Sharpen the sword of faith in your life. Study Ephesians 6, as we said earlier, and overcome evil anywhere you see it, ladies and gentlemen. Never forget what Edmund Burke said. All it takes for evil to triumph is good men and women to say and do nothing. Stay with us. We're going to be back taking your questions. I'm Jeremiah. You're listening to The Jeremiah Johnston Show. I will be back speaking with you in 90 seconds. Welcome back to The Jeremiah Johnston Show. This is your host, Jeremiah. And these Saturdays in December, we've enjoyed listening to Bible teaching excerpts from the Unanswered Bible Study Series. And I have joining with me uh, today on the broadcast, Brian Daniel. He's joining us via phone from Franklin, Tennessee. Brian was the key architect. Uh, we worked together to take LifeWay's uh, Bible study model and then bring the unanswered components and series into that uh, existent model. And Brian, I just want to, I want to take the audience back for a moment because Audrey and I launched Christian Thinker Society uh, and beginning 10 years ago now, we began doing live events with audiences. And the Holy Spirit used my wife, Audrey, to say, you know, Jeremiah, you need to give a shorter sermon. And all God's people said, amen. And you need to take 20 minutes and just open up your audience for live question and answer sessions. And Brian, I was so nervous at the time because, I mean, what are people going to ask? I mean, this is 10 years ago. How am I going to know the answer? I mean, you talk about steps of faith in our earlier segment. This was a step of faith for me because at that time I was scripted. I mean, I, I was just wet behind the ears. Just I knew enough to be dangerous uh, when I started my ministry, uh, but I really sensed that Audrey was on to something here. And I had no idea. I mean, our first event, I was amazed. I thought we'd just be in like room 301 down the hall when I said we're going to do an event on cult Christian thinkers. We had a thousand people at a Wednesday night service at the church and uh, had hundreds of questions that literally came in that night. It was really cool for the benefit of our audience. You could literally see the questions on the screen. So it was very interactive with the audience and there was very little censoring going on. I mean, obviously it censored profanity, but if someone didn't necessarily agree uh, or if they had a question or a comment, you could see it. And there was just a vulnerability. Again, as I say in every broadcast, I think vulnerability is the new superpower to reach people. So there was a vulnerability there. There was a transparency. And I had no idea, Brian, um, just how eager Christians would be. And we started holding these events in churches across the country, all different Bible studies, all different denominations, I should say. 
Um, and I was just amazed at first the number of questions because the majority of our co- questions were coming from Christians, from followers of Jesus who did not feel comfortable bringing up these questions in your normal church context. There wasn't necessarily an aisle in their local Christian store that addressed this question. And when I met with you all, fast forward a few years, I began meeting with you all, and, and I had no idea the data that I was sitting on. I mean, the, the data we could aggregate in, in, in light of 10,000 questions uh, that I had received through Christian thinkers, and just the amount of questions, but then we began to aggregate the most frequently asked. And that's really where you come in, because we came down on six different topics for the unanswered Bible study to speak to the six most frequently asked questions that I had been asked. Now, three of them are questions that you hear before. We, I, of course, answer the problem of evil, suffering, and pain. You know, what do we do when we have all of these disappointments in life? And I can say as an apologist, this is the number one reason people turn away from the faith. We answered questions related to the Bible and Bibleist Christianity. Of course, we answered the resurrection. So, you know, again, most of us never get beyond our elementary school understanding of the resurrection of Jesus and how to defend it evidentially and through the word of God. But then there were three other outliers, Brian, that I just have to compliment you because at the time I know it was a step of faith. Now it's really on trend to discuss these things. But, you know, back in 2014, it wasn't necessarily, there was very little, very little you were reading about as it relates to this. My number one question, suicide and mental health in the Christian life. What do I do as a Christian about anxiety, depression, suicide and mental wellness huge and uh, number two the silence of god what do we do if god seems silent and then number three paranormal so you know these were a step of faith can you just talk about what it was about these questions and you think wow these are such different uh subject matters how can you make this into one book and yet it worked didn't it yeah uh, i gotta say that there's just like you said often authenticity transparency we just need to be honest with ourselves, and so we we saw an opportunity when uh, with this project to ask the questions that people maybe are really asking but don't really want to because mm. of various reasons. It could just seem kind of silly. Um, it may seem, you know, to the to some of us unimportant um, or not relevant when there are maybe bigger questions about who God is. But these things. You know, they can be stumbling blocks. I remember talking with a pastor of mine when we lived in New Mexico, and he said, you know, one of the problems of our culture is we're answering questions that no one is asking. That's right. And I think, you know, sometimes, you know, in the communities that you and I tend to tend to run in, the questions are much more of an academic nature, and I'm just not so sure those are the most transformational questions. Not that these are, but at least you're kind of hitting people where they where they are, like just sitting in the living room or having coffee with friends. These are the things that come up. And when you can give people those answers, it really emboldens them and equips them to not only step into those conversations, but then to take that next step of, of sharing the gospel. And Brian, I wish you could, I wish, I think of you so often because uh, we've done over 200 unanswered events now. And and my favorite aspect isn't necessarily the act of preaching, although I enjoy speaking from a platform. I feel like my true ministry begins when I'm out there meeting people after the public event has concluded and I'm just there listening to other people's stories. And Brian, I wish I could have you at my side because so many people have thanked me. So many people have gone on and on who have done the Bible study, have returned to different events where they've already done the Bible study, and it's been life-altering in their communities. It's really started a whole conversation that, hey, 
It's not a sin to question your faith. And if everything we say is true about the Bible, the Bible should be willing to withstand, absorb, and answer our most difficult and challenging questions. If the faith is really relevant and true, uh, there is this aspect of the faith that can um, actually answer these difficult questions. And so many people didn't know that. And so I've, I've often thought of you as people have just shared these stories of how the Holy Spirit has worked in their Bible study group doing unanswered and literally changed their life. So for those that are listening right now who want to do the unanswered Bible study, can you just walk us through uh, the unanswered Bible study, how they can do it in their community, their denomination, you know, how big of a group? I mean, is it hard to do this? Do you have to sign up? I mean, can I start tomorrow? I'm just thinking of questions that people are going to have listening across the Faith Radio Network right now. So um, we've already talked about the fact that this is a group Bible study, and we believe that these discussions and this content is that we've you and I and the teams and, the, and our respective teams have curated the best way to engage this content would be through within the group context. We using the video with the leader, the built-in time, and using all of this, uh, you know, the Bible study book and the videos like as a unit for this six session Bible study. Which you've already mentioned it, but just uh, just to repeat, there are six small group discussions. Um, the first one is. Jeremiah, what you already said, what do we do when God seems silent? The next one is about the bodily resurrection of Jesus. Why Why can we trust the bodily resurrection of Jesus? The next one is on the paranormal, which I thought was interesting. I have never seen this in any small group Bible study. I'm pretty sure I haven't seen it addressed anywhere as the, an apologetic, if you will, on the paranormal in the Bible. How should Christians respond to spiritual darkness and paranormal activity? And then the fourth one is the bestseller, Nobody Reads, How Can I Know For Sure the Bible is True and Trustworthy. And then a question, like you said, which you are so right, uh, this is just ordained, it's just divine. This question is about mental health and wrestling with this mm. and suicide and then the suffering and pain. Um, absolutely. And uh, so I think your willingness to engage this has to be, has to be commended. Well, praise the Lord, and I just thank you for taking a step of faith with LifeWay. Um, I said recently I was speaking to 7,000 counselors, oddly enough, at Opryland uh, at a convention um, a few months ago, and I made a statement. I said, you know, if I would not have had this mental health section in my book, I know of at least seven different publishers that would have published it, but people were really tripping up over, well, are you sure we want to explain mental health from a biblical perspective? I mean, you're not a psychologist, you're not a psychiatrist, and I understand that, but um, people have these questions. What does the Bible have to say about these issues? And Lifeway took a chance, and they said, hey, we are going to address the elephant in the room. This is the number one question. And um, I mean, that that question alone is solid gold. It's worth the price of admission for the entire Bible study. And so, friends, I want to encourage you, um, get the Bible study. Go to LifeWay.com slash unanswered. That's LifeWay.com slash unanswered, or just Google unanswered Bible study LifeWay. You're going to see there are so many different formats for you to use it in your study. So, and I want to just say this. I, I receive feedback from middle school and high school groups that use the unanswered Bible study. I receive feedback from uh, senior, senior Bible study groups that are doing this. I mean, it doesn't matter if you are 18 or 80 years of age. You have questions related to all six of these. If you don't yourself, you want to be a good apologist and a good Christian thinker and be able to speak intelligently on these issues for your kids, your grandkids, your neighbors, your friends, your community. Uh, after all, I, there's a reason we said, 
than lasting truth for trending questions. These are truly trending questions. We want to outfit you, resource you, and equip you to speak to these. That is what we're committed to. Uh, we've got to take a break. Stay with us. Welcome back to the Jeremiah Johnston Show, and I have a question here that Caden submitted at askjjj.com. Caden, thank you so much for asking. Let me read your question. Hi, Dr. Johnston. I have had a fear of dying for years now. I used to be an atheist until I became a born-again Christian, but somehow I always find myself questioning the faith. I mean, I believe in Jesus and believe he has a place for me in heaven, but back in the mind, I am pounded with thoughts like, well, what if when you die, you're done, or it's just darkness and lack of consciousness? I don't know how to stop these thoughts or where they originated, and sometimes I believe them. What do I do? Caden, what a great question. Many people struggle with this fear of dying. And yet, so I want you to know that you're not alone. There's not something wrong with your spiritual condition. Every I've met many dynamic Christians who at times struggle with these doubts. And Martin Luther would talk about the fact, and Martin Luther was a great Christian reformer from the 1500s. He would say things like, we can't stop a bird from flying over our head, but we can stop that bird from planting a nest in our hair. Uh, that was an interesting way to look at. We can't stop these weird passing, doubting thoughts from just passing through our brain, but we can and we should stop them and pull them through the filter of God's word and not allow them to take root in our hearts. And so anytime you have a, a weird thought like that, just an odd passing thought, you know, what if this isn't true? What if when you're done, you're done? It's game over. I take that thought and I take it captive. What does the scripture say? Paul said in 2 Corinthians 10, we take every thought captive to the word of God, bringing it into the obedience of Jesus Christ. I, I, it's one of the greatest verses because, Caden, I've struggled with difficult thoughts. Every one of our listeners, if they're being totally honest and transparent, they've struggled with just weird passing thoughts as well. And so, again, I just want to remind you to do what the Bible says. And what does the scripture say about the end of life? 2 Corinthians 5.8, the moment, Caden, we take our last breath on earth, 2 Corinthians 5.8, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And the force, the force of the Greek, Caden, is we are in face-to-face -face communion with Jesus Christ. The moment you take your last breath on earth, you are face-to-face -face eternally with the King. Isn't that a beautiful thing? So yeah, take that thought to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Verse 8. Friends, we have many other questions that have been submitted. If you're listening right now and you have a question for me you'd like to hear read on the show, if you're listening later on the podcast, you can go to www.askjjj.com, submit your question to us, and we will get it on the show. On behalf of Nat Becker, our producer, and myself, I'm Jeremiah Johnston. This has been another great program of the Jeremiah Johnston Show. We're going to be back next week with our next session in the Unanswered Bible Study media series, and we're going to be studying something called Bible-ish Christianity. Did you know there's a lot of Christians out there, they know enough of the Bible to be dangerous, and so I want to teach you how we react and respond when most people in our, in our churches think that Billy Graham, not Jesus Christ, preached the Sermon on the Mount. And let me also encourage you, go to ChristianThinkers.com if you'd like to pick up the book, the Bible study, or the entire unanswered kit for your Bible study group session. You can go to 
uh, christianthinkers.com, www.christianthinkers, that has an S on the end, .com. And go ahead and grab this Bible study. It's for sale there. You can go grab it at any Lifeway store if you have a Lifeway Christian Resources store near you. I also want to let you know I may be coming to speak in your area, so be sure that you sign up for our email list at christianthinkers.com. I would love to meet you personally. If you listen to the broadcast or live on Faith Radio Network or if you listen to the podcast, I want to encourage you, please, um, can up, come up and connect with me uh, as well. And while I'm saying that, you know, I don't say this enough. I'm being told on my program, connect with me on social media. Please connect with me on Twitter. We have a public Facebook page for Christian Thinkers Society. If you go to just simply, if you Google, uh, excuse me, if you go into the Facebook search bar, you search for Christian Thinkers Society. Join the nearly 20,000 others who are connected with us on our Facebook page. We have hundreds of videos up there that you can use in your Bible studies. Um, connect with me on Instagram, Twitter, and definitely join our email list. I, I write my own emails. No one writes them for us. Um, they come straight from my hand. That's why they're sometimes uh, I do them a little more regularly just as I am throughout my speaking and scheduling. So finally, I want to ask you to pray for me. I am just a few days away from finishing another Bible study called Answers to Tough Questions. <laughs> I figure you might like that. Uh, so please pray for me. I'm close to my deadline on that. I'll be submitting that in the next week. You've been listening to the Jeremiah Johnston Show on Faith Radio Network. Stand by for these messages and friends. Can't wait to talk to you at the next program. Thanks for joining us today. Hi, I'm Jeremiah Johnston. Thanks for listening to the podcast from the Jeremiah Johnston Show. I definitely want to hear from you, so if you have a follow-up question from today's program, you can submit it to me at www.askjjj.com. You'll also see how you can connect with us from there across social media. And don't forget, these conversations are available because of listener support. And you can make a gift right now to the Faith Radio Network at www.myfaithradio.com. And to avoid missing future editions of The Jeremiah Johnston Show, please subscribe to the podcast at iTunes. You can do a Google Play, RSS feed. And thanks for sharing this audio link with a friend and growing the impact of the program.